0: as we wrestle as a congregation regarding our commitment and our calling to the kingdom work here at Coal Ridge for generations to come, I felt compelled to preach a standalone message before we return to the book of Revelation. And this morning, briefly, and I will keep it brief because of my voice, I want us to talk about and look at in God's word The purpose of life. I want us to look at the parable of the rich fool in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. In the midst of generation to generation, and as we prayerfully consider what it means to participate in this great kingdom work, I believe the lesson taught in the parable of the rich fool is absolutely foundational to the Christian life. Teaches us our ultimate aim and our ultimate purpose for living as citizens of the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge? an arbitrator over you and he said to them take care and be on guard against all covetedness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions and he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops and he said I will do this I will tear down my barn and build bigger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Skip ahead to verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old and with a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also and the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our lord it stands forever amen people can live their entire lives and never discover their purpose people can live their entire lives and get to the end of their life and never fully discover why god put them on earth Never fully discover their ultimate aim. And so the question for us this morning, before it is too late, how in the world would you determine the ultimate purpose of life? How would you determine whether your life is successful or not? Our modern culture tells us this is the definition of success. Accumulate as much wealth for yourself and invest it back into you. How much money can you accumulate for the sole purpose of meeting your needs and your desires? This is the ultimate aim and the ultimate purpose of life according to our culture. But it's interesting. When we read of this story in the first century, we realized that things were the same. We have a man living for himself, a man consumed with his needs, his desires, his wants, and even the illustration that Jesus uses in the parable is much like our modern culture today. But here's what's shocking. Jesus says, this is foolishness. Jesus says that this ultimate aim of life, to accumulate wealth for the sole purpose of investing it in yourself, he calls it out as utter foolishness. So if this is not the aim of life, then what truly is our purpose as citizens of the kingdom of God? This parable teaches us three important things principles concerning our aim and our purpose of why God has put us on this earth. The first is this. The first principle this parable teaches us is to simply reject foolishness. Here's the context. Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden this young man, interrupts Jesus. And he says, my brother is cheating me out of the inheritance and I need you to intervene. Now, more than likely what is happening here is the man that is interrupting Jesus is the younger brother. And he's complaining about his older brother because in ancient Jewish culture, the older brother received the entire inheritance. Nothing divides a family like inheritance. And so the older brother, more than likely, has the inheritance, and he is not dividing it up as he should, or at least how the younger brother thinks he should. And so the younger brother is going up to Jesus and says, I need you to intervene. I need you to do something. And it's interesting, he calls him out, and he says, teacher, translated rabbi, because the rabbi had the authority in that culture to be the arbitrator in a family dispute. And it's interesting, do you notice the rebuke of Jesus? The rebuke of Jesus in verse 14, it seems rather harsh. Man, who am I to be the arbitrator who has appointed me as arbitrator for your family dispute? Why such a harsh dispute, uh, a harsh rebuke by Jesus? Well, you need to understand the broader context of Luke chapter 12. Jesus is teaching concerning the kingdom of God. He's talking on eternal things. And here is this brash young man interrupting Jesus as he's teaching on the kingdom of God. Of course he should be rebuked. Who are you in the middle of me teaching on eternal things? To interrupt me with things that are so small. But before you judge this young man too harshly, I want you to think about your own life every day we are tempted to wake up and interrupt Jesus with things that are smaller than the kingdom of God. Jesus, I know that I have been called to live for the kingdom. I know you have called me to set my eyes on things above and not on things below, but I really need you to take care of my needs right now. It's about my needs and my wants and my desires. Me, 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 I, 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 I all day long And I pray that the rebuke that this young man receives, that you hear this rebuke in your own life as well, that we would hear the rebuke of Jesus saying, you have been called to live for things that are eternal and you are focused and consumed with things that are so temporary and things that are so small. After that rebuke, he goes on. And he tells him a story Jesus taught in stories called parables. And he said there was a rich man and this rich man had land that yielded greatly. And his barn was full. And instead of giving his money away, he decided to tear the barn down and build more barns. Can't have enough wealth. And he builds more barns so he can store more of his wealth, so he can store more of his goods. And he lives by this mission and motto in life. This was his aim, to eat and to drink and to be merry. He lived a life as if he was God. He lived his life as if he was supreme. He lived his life as if everything revolved around him. And the one thing he didn't count on this rich man was that night his arteries would clog and he would die. And it says he left this earth with all of the things left behind. Yes, this rich man had barns that were full But his heart was completely empty. And Jesus says, That man is a fool. And it is a warning to us to not live our lives in such a way that all of this. Is revolving around us as if we were the center of our universe in order to find happiness, in order to find security, in order to find identity, meaning, and purpose in life. Jesus is warning us you are a fool because you will get to the end of your life and realize how empty that life was. It is a call to us this morning to reject foolishness, to reject the life of a fool that thinks this life is all about them. Nothing, listen to me, will make you more miserable than living your life as if it is all about you. Reject foolishness. What else is the purpose of life? Not only to reject foolishness, but the second thing I want you to see here is to be rich towards God. Instead of being rich towards yourself, Jesus clearly is calling us to be rich towards God. He says in verse 21, "The one who lays his treasure up for himself is not rich towards God. The purpose of this parable is a call for us to not be rich towards ourselves, but to be rich towards our God. Jesus can't get any more straightforward than this. And wouldn't this be the calling? of the catechism that teaches us what is the chief end of man. The ultimate purpose of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The ultimate purpose in life is to not only reject foolishness but to live for the glory of God alone, to be rich towards the God who made you. With all my heart, I want you to get this. With all my heart this morning, I want you to understand this because here is the challenge. Every day we wake up and we are tempted to think our lives exist for our glory, that our lives exist for our purpose, our lives exist for our needs, and we will be tempted to make life all about us. You will be tempted to make life all about you. We pray this prayer, whether we realize it or not, almost daily god i need you to make my life work for me instead god would you operate in such a way in my life that you would display your glory even if it means i do not get what i need or i what i get what i want God choose me to use God choose to use me this day for your glory alone. When was the last time you prayed that prayer? God, for your glory, not for mine. God, your purposes, not my purposes. God, your needs, not my needs. God, advance your kingdom through my life instead of you serving me to make my work life work for me and for my needs and my wants. Pat Tillman played linebacker for Arizona State University. He went on to play linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL, made millions of dollars until 9-11. And he enlisted in the U.S. Army. He was killed at war. The world would say that is a wasted life. That was a life that said there has to be something more to life than making millions of dollars. How about for you this morning? Is is there more to life than getting what you think you want and getting what you think you need? Could God be calling you to live for his glory and his kingdom? This is the ultimate purpose in life. Waking up every day asking the question, how can you use my ordinary life to advance the church of Jesus Christ? I said it two weeks ago. Coleridge Presbyterian Church doesn't want your money. Coleridge Presbyterian Church wants you to be consumed with the glory of God and the glory of his kingdom. There is nothing more beautiful than men and women that lay down their lives for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Reject foolishness. Be rich towards God. But the question is, what would empower? What would empower a church? What would motivate a church this morning to not be rich towards themselves, but be rich towards God? Third and lastly... It requires us to embrace the God who is rich towards you. You see, when you understand this principle of embracing the God that is rich towards you, it is like a light bulb will go off inside and you will discover for the first time that you're not the big giver in this relationship. But God is. You see, the story of the gospel is this. That it is God who came down in the person of Jesus Christ and gave us his Son. How will he not give us all things? Look at the three verses that we read at the end of the passage. In verse 32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You're getting a kingdom. That is what is offered to you. God is offering his kingdom to you both now and forever. That's what you get. In Romans chapter eight, Paul says to a group of Christians that are worried about them losing their very lives, he says, Brothers and sisters, God did not even spare his son. How will he not give you all things? It is the lavish love of God in the person of Jesus Christ, the God that did not even spare his own son, the God that promises us life to the full in his kingdom, both now and forever. And you're worried about going without? The younger brother in this passage was complaining, complaining that he was being gypped, complaining that he was being robbed of his inheritance from his older brother. But who's our our older brother? Our older brother comes down from heaven. Our older brother comes down from the throne room of heaven and he offers us his inheritance with no strings attached and offers us his inheritance, an eternal inheritance freely for people that don't deserve any of it. Oh, what an older brother you and I have in the person of Jesus Christ. And until your heart is captured by this older brother, until your heart is overwhelmed by the generosity of God through our older brother, Jesus Christ, you will be stingy and you will keep everything for yourself. But the moment you encounter this one, you will be able to give it all away because you realize you have everything you need in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know this older brother that has come down and offers us an inheritance of epic proportion, offers us life to the full, both now and forever, simply by believing and trusting in him alone. At the end of this service, we will give you an opportunity to encounter this older brother, Jesus Christ, and your life will never be the same. Be captured by him. Be overwhelmed by the lavish love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a factory outside of Trenton, New Jersey, and 10 guys each week would pool their money together and buy lotto tickets. They would ship in $5 each and they would buy about $50 worth of lotto tickets each week. Sometimes they'd win and most of the times they would lose. This one week in particular, it was the Powerball, $222 million now here's how it worked there would be one guy in particular he would collect the $5 from everyone and he would go and buy the ticket on Saturday night and if they happened to win they would he would bring in the winnings and distribute it evenly And this one week in particular that it hit the Powerball 222 million there was one guy who forgot to put in his $5 and so on Monday morning, the gentleman who was responsible for collecting the money and buying the lotto ticket walks into this guy's office and says, I just need to know if you are in for last week. He says, Of course. Well, I need your $5 right now. Well, my $5 is out in my, my car. I'll get it to you later. No, I need to know right now are you in from last week and I need your $5? He said, we've been doing this for 10 years. Of course, I'm not going to jip you out of $5. I need to know right now, and I need your $5 right now. I need to know if you're in for last week. And so he storms out. He goes out to his car. He takes the $5, and he throws it on his desk. Here's your $5. He said, congratulations. You just won $22 million. We will wrestle and agonize over our giving towards God. But his gift to us, in proportion and in perspective, it's staggering. We think we're the big giver in this relationship. God is the big giver in this relationship. And when we understand the lavish generosity of God towards us, we can then give sacrificially Of our resources, of our time, of our lives. Give it away for the glory of the kingdom of God. Because we realize the ultimate aim is not me. The ultimate aim of my life is to be rich towards God because he has been rich towards us. Oh, how we can make generation to generation about us when instead it is all about advancing his kingdom and his glory. And when we understand that he has first been generous towards us, we can then actually respond and be generous towards our God, be generous towards his kingdom, and actually do it with joy. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, for some of us, we have maybe been confused with the message of the gospel Maybe some of us have always thought that in order for God to be generous and good towards us that we had to first be generous towards him. But the message of the gospel is the reverse. The only reason we are generous towards God, the only reason we're generous towards the kingdom is in response to a God That has been overwhelmingly generous towards us. Lord, I pray that we would be overwhelmed by the lavish love of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe there's someone here this morning or someone watching at home that has never encountered this Jesus. He is the older brother that does not withhold, He is the older brother that freely gives of his inheritance that rightfully belongs to him, and he gives it to us with no strings attached, the only condition is that we stop believing in ourselves and we place our faith and trust in him. We look to him by faith alone and experience the grace of God through Jesus Christ and we're overwhelmed by the lavish love of God. So would you transform those that are here? For those that have been burdened by life, would they learn that they can cast their burdens upon you, that they can become children of God, that they can give their lives away in response to you giving your son, not even sparing your son, so that we could live both now and forevermore with the hope of eternity? Lord, I pray that you would make us a generous church, not out of guilt, but Lord, would you make us a generous church out of the abundance of joy that you have given us. May we commit this day to giving generously to the work, the work of your kingdom here at Coral Ridge for the sake of generations to come. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, amen.